Tonight, a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden is officially underway. The effort led by House Republicans passed around dinner time tonight. This just hours after the president's son, Hunter, defied a congressional subpoena. He offered to testify in public, but not behind closed doors. Republicans allege President Biden may have benefited from his family's foreign business dealings. So far, the year-long House GOP investigation into the Bidens has not led to any direct evidence of wrongdoing by the president. That was CBS Tampa Bay, and that was a report that came out just before Christmas. And so we are officially in the process of a, of a Biden impeachment inquiry. But will it mean anything? What will the new Congress do? What will the new speaker do? Uh, will there be other investigations? Can we expect much from this particular Congress, the 118th Congress that convenes next week? Our lives really are at stake here. Our country is at stake. And so what will they do? That's what we're going to be talking about today on this first first edition of Sandy Rios 24-7 of the, the year 2024. And so um, we are exactly one year old, maybe not quite, almost one year old, this podcast. And I want to thank all of you who have listened faithfully and given us some wonderful feedback. We appreciate you listening so much, Bruce and I both. Uh, it's been, um, uh, it was a interesting year. Podcasting is so different from live radio. It's like fasten your seatbelts. I didn't know it was all of this, but we have really enjoyed it. And now that we hopefully, God willing, have our stride, uh, we enter this new year with anticipation and and uh, uh, just uh, looking forward to what might happen and how we can be faithful to bring you the news during these trying times. If you would like to communicate with us, let's get a fresh start here. You can call us at 662 662- 821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can email at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. The social media platforms, you can find us. You can find us at sandyrios.com. That's my website. You can go to our mothership, American Family Radio, of which I was a part for 10 plus years. Uh, they post the the, the podcast every single day that it airs. It's AFR.net uh, and any other podcast platform. So that's kind of the nuts and the bolts. You know, last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you so much for making this possible. And uh, let's celebrate these precious lives. And I want to, you know, tell you a story just to start the new year here about someone who's... Uh, who was impacted by preborns ministries and by the fact that you gave money to them. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a bad place. She didn't know how she could raise her child on her own, and she searched for an abortion clinic. And God led her instead to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. And when she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying. And the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. Antoinette chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Is that not beautiful? That gives me <laughs> gives me goosebumps, yeah. And so that's because of your generosity. If you'd like to help more moms have this experience like Antoinette uh, who see their baby and decide to, to keep that baby or at least preserve its life, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Sandy, uh, you are in for uh, kind of a, some great information 
uh, as we kind of all get our minds straight and start get back into the news a little bit and remember that we have a a country to preserve, that we have citizenship to apply uh, to whatever we can do to preserve this great nation. So with that, I want to invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy this very first edition of 2024 for Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Hunter Biden came to Capitol Hill to speak out, just not to the committee waiting to interview him. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. He's refusing to give evidence behind closed doors, instead denouncing the inquiry into him and his father as a political stunt. And they have taken the light of my dad's love the light of my dad's love for me and presented it as darkness. Republicans will not give up in their quest to grill Biden Jr. about his business dealings and specifically whether his father profited from them. We have specific questions for the president's son. He does not get to dictate the terms of this subpoena. This House committee has already gathered thousands of documents, including bank statements, claiming they showed payments to President Biden that were linked to Hunter's business activity in China, Turns out that was just repayment for a car loan. They believe launching an impeachment inquiry would allow them to seek more evidence. Mr. Biden's counsel and the White House have both argued that the reason he couldn't come for a deposition was because there wasn't a formal vote for an impeachment inquiry. Well, that's going to happen in a few hours. We think it's going to pass. All right, so Sandy Rios with you. And before Christmas, uh, an impeachment inquiry was actually launched. I think it would be fair to say that most uh, conservative Americans, most truth seekers, have been delighted to see James Comer and Jim Jordan and others uh, exercising their role as congressmen to diligently get information on the malfeasance of the Biden administration. But the question is, now we are at the very beginning of 2024. We have a new Speaker of the House. We have an impeachment inquiry into the president. what does it all mean and what can we expect in the year 2024? Mike Hallis joined us this morning. He's the director of the Heritage Oversight Project. And I think, Mike, in a, in a nutshell, first of all, good morning and welcome. Hey, thank you. Good morning to you. In a nutshell, what is uh, the, the Oversight Project supposed to be doing? Because you're the first, you are the first director, right? This is a new entity. Right. We're only a couple years old here. So what we are is basically a litigation and investigation operation attached to the Heritage Foundation. So what we do is, you know, and a lot of the things that you went over and kind of your, your read and intro is we go out there, find those issues, and we sue the federal government for information about them. I mean, we're used to Congress sending letters and 
politely asking for information, what we do is we go out and we sue for that exact same information. Wow. So you provide a supplement to what they're doing on the... I think people don't really quite get that, but uh, organizations can actually provide the backbone and the substance of these hearings. The congressmen don't often do not have enough staff or even staff that's they're young and not experienced. And sometimes they cannot gather the information they need. So that's really what Mike and his group are doing. And Mike, Mike is a, he's a bulldog on this. I want to say he was also the senior advisor for government relations in the 117th Congress. So he knows very well how the place works. All right. So let's, let's center now on the, the Biden impeachment inquiry you know, they, uh, as people have been told, and I understand, now they have more subpoena power. Really? Do you expect this to make a difference in how they can gather information? It certainly helps. Uh, they needed a vote to authorize the impeachment inquiry. If they did not, they'd kind of be in the same exact legal territory they were for the past year and some change, where they just send letters and hope the administration would respond. This removes a couple of the legal hurdles uh, and makes it more difficult for the Biden administration to not respond. All that being said, I think this is still destined for court. I do not think the Biden administration will respond. And so when we talk about going to court, what we're really talking about is it taking time. And so that that draws us back to why do we wait a year for this? Because they're going to be able to run this out through the election. uh, What good does it do? And so that's why we're advocates of, you know, starting out the oversight kind of season a lot earlier than this Congress did. Uh, but we are where we are now. It took a new speaker to kind of get a lot of these things moving. I'm glad they're moving. It's just time will tell if they move fast enough. There's some a lack of uh, enthusiasm about Mike Johnson as speaker. As some people feel the jury's out. Some people are disappointed in things that he's he's done. Are you saying that in this particular case he's done some good things and that's why it's moving on the way it is? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case for, for these subpoenas. I mean, it, it, it was very evident that in the weeks that Johnson took over, a couple of these issues you know, moved out of the logjam they were in, particularly as it related to the impeachment vote uh, for the Hunter Biden investigation into the, you know, the impeachment of Joe Biden. Uh, that's one such example. Uh, that being said, like, I'm very glad it moved. It's just, is it going to have moved fast enough? You know, is it, it moving late at the end of last year? going to get compliance and into courts uh, in time for this to, to happen. And that won't be the fault of Mike Johnson or, you know, at all if it doesn't because he moves as quickly as he could, but it is the fault of the overall Republican conference if we do not get this done in time. Yeah, so can we lay, I would say we can lay this at the feet of Kevin McCarthy. I mean, he's the one who's dragged his feet uh, while all the while pretending that he was um, – I don't know what your assessment is, and I should just ask you what your assessment of his time after that spring when he almost did not get nominated and there was this back and forth and uh, the five who held out. And then he signed, you know, kind of made this agreement with the Freedom Caucus and other conservatives. How do you think he performed during that time, Mike? So I think we got to judge him by his results, you know, not by any of these kind of like storylines and whatnot. In the good column, the border bill, H.R. 2, that is a stronger bill than any previous Republican conference put together. Um, and so that's an example of something good. In, in some of the problematic areas, I think we look at the lack of movement on some of the oversight and investigative issues. This is what uh, American people cared most about when they flipped the Congress, is they wanted to you know, regain some accountability and put some points on the board against the Biden administration. And that just didn't happen. 
Uh, when we look at, you know, there's talk of setting up a mega church committee to do all these investigations with 150 plus staff and, you know, it'd be bigger than the January 6th committee, all that. They decided not to, not because they couldn't do it, because they didn't want to do it. Uh, and then you just get on the list of all the things that Americans going into 2020, you know, were, or 2022, three were concerned about. You look at the election, the lack of, you know, election integrity in this country. You look about some of the elements of, uh, weaponization to include how the government's handled some of the J6 prosecutions versus, you know, Black Lives Matter riots. You look at some of the big intelligence community hoaxes to include the Russia hoax, and then just across the board, the Congress did nothing on any of those things. Uh, instead, we got largely messaging around oversight issues, with the one major exception being James Comer, who's done a terrific job in getting the bank records and putting points on the board to illustrate the corruption of the Biden family. And so I think the frustration and the lack of uh, attacking the Biden administration is in the negative column. And I will say, I, I don't necessarily think that was Kevin McCarthy who didn't want to do it. I think it's a reflection of the conference not being united on those things. And I think at the end of the day, Kevin McCarthy was kind of, you know, just trying to be the center of the conference. And he had a, a flank that uh, got him in a lot of trouble at the right flank. And that's that's a problem that I think still exists in this uh, conference right now, and it'll exist for the next few years, is there's a lot of people who stay on the campaign trail, they're conservatives, but when they get to Washington, D.C., they don't want to act like one. You know, Mike, I still I still place that at, at least uh, at the feet of Kevin McCarthy, because he's the one who had the big war chest to get proper Republican candidates elected. And I know that he worked against conservatives in districts. He handpicked others. They got involved in primaries when they shouldn't. And so I, the fact that he had a, a intransigent uh, conference, I think, can be laid on his shoulders. Uh, but And you know what? We've seen the same thing. We, it happened with uh, Paul Ryan. It happened with John Boehner. Uh, and I can't even remember. Tom DeLay didn't happen with. But I go back a long way. We got some action in the past, but not for like, I don't know. It's been years since Republicans have actually uh, found the fortitude to hold their government accountable. And so it's just been the it's just a pattern that's pretty disturbing. Well, for a good portion of 2023, Christian Healthcare Ministries has been a good sponsor of Sandy Rios 24/7. You know, they are a wonderful way to provide healthcare for your family outside of the insurance system, and that's a good thing because insurance companies often will make demands on you, won't pay for tests that you need, uh, will insist that you do certain things and check certain boxes. It really takes away your medical freedom. Christian Healthcare Ministries gives you that freedom. Uh, what you do is you play, pay a monthly fee for the level that you want of coverage. Uh, and you then, when you have your medical issue, you actually pay the bill or you take the bill in your name. You hand that bill to Christian Healthcare Ministries. They pay it along with the pool of the resources of Christians around the country. They pay that bill for you. That's how it works. Uh, and uh, you can enroll at any time. You can check them out any time. And it's the, t- the beginning of the year. You might want to make some changes. Go to chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. I, I do want to ask you, you know, the Freedom Caucus, uh, many, they're friends. They're the people that I admire the most. Um, and so I'd be curious to know what you think about their strength in the Congress right now with this new Congress coming into session next week. What is their strength? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting parts of the you know next year. Uh, first of all, I think they're they're clearly a very strong entity within Congress, and the, some of the expansions they've done outside of Congress 
in terms of the State Freedom Caucus networks and elsewhere are just absolutely remarkable. Uh, but what, what I would particularly watch for in the coming year is, you know, got what we wanted on the conservative side, a conservative speaker. So now how does this conservative faction in the House uh, deal with them? And what is to happen if Mike Johnson has to make a deal with the Biden administration or, you know, Democrats on Capitol Hill? How will the Freedom Caucus react? Uh, I think there was a period of grace given towards the end of last year of one, you know, the, the mini CR continuing resolution basically was signed and supported by Speaker Johnson with Democratic support. I don't think there'll be that patience this go around. And so we're going to see a bunch of big tests and that, that that's going to be the funding of the government, the border bill, whether they, you know, insist on passage of a, of a security uh, down at the border type bill in H.R. 2. Uh, in order to proceed, and also in some of the impeachment and oversight matters. And so Speaker Johnson is going to have to navigate uh, all of those without losing the support of the Freedom Caucus. And, uh, you know, there's the proofs in the pudding of what Freedom Caucus and Freedom Caucus adjacent members have done to speakers in the past. And um, I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating elements to watch if Speaker Johnson goes the route of uh, path of least resistance, which could end up being the most resistance, actually, when you talk about making deals uh, across the chambers and inside the inside the House, or if he sticks to his guns and says, you know what, like the American people elected conservatives to control the House, and we're not going to move unless we get a secure border and we limit spending and we get some accountability. I think that's the route he should take, and if he takes that, I doubt he has any issues with the Freedom Caucus. Well, the confusing thing is, I think, that uh, Speaker Johnson, who I have great respect for, I, I've, I remember seeing him um, question, I think it was during the, the Trump, one of the Trump impeachments, he's just brilliant at, uh, at interrogation. That's what he is. He's an attorney. He's got just a great resume. He, he says he stands for all the right things. So it's been uh, disappointing to see some of the decisions that he's made, but part of that I think Mike can be explained by the fact that he had inherited a lot of McCarthy's staff. Is that uh, is that a fair defense of him on some of these bad decisions? Well, I'm not so sure it's about the staff particularly. It's about inheriting you know the the problems as they exist. You know, with the calendar of when bills expire and all that. Uh, that being said, I don't even think it's too much of that. Uh, I I think it's more of a he needs time to work out. You know, whether he's going to basically strong arm one group or the other group and who he's going to roll, because there's going to have to be a decision to be made over funding the government or not funding the government. And uh, the numbers on that don't break down, you know, neatly. And so it's not about like staff or, you know, the, the actual issues itself. I think it was just like, do you want to go to war in the first week or two into your speakership? It was, it was more of that. Okay. Um, and I think that's that's basically what he deferred and, and punted on and said, you know, we'll have this really big fight the first couple months of, of 2024. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the nuts and bolts of investigations. One of the problems, of course, for the last, I don't know, couple of years at least, is that the Republicans in Congress get no respect when it comes to investigations, or at least very little. Uh, and so uh, I want to play a clip of Hunter Biden, as you know, who famously did not show up, uh, didn't uh, honor a subpoena, stood outside of the Congress and made a statement. I want to play just part of it and then get your comments on how we can, we, I am a Republican, I am a conservative, and I am up against this administration. They, 
administration. They have to be brought to account. Uh, so this is what Hunter said in part outside the congressional building, clip eight. Here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer. When you said we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. All right, Mike, your comments. Uh, just your thoughts about what he just said. So a couple things. I mean, he's in blatant violation of a legal order under subpoena to appear for a deposition. And so that's he's pretty clear on the facts pattern. Like, what's unclear is what are Republicans going to do about it, right? And your, your initial leading question was, why are they getting the respect? And I think I know the answer. I think most Americans know the answer, too. It's because what happens after people ignore them or don't turn over the documents? We have, you know, decades of history to show uh, that nothing really happens. And we, we spend all this time celebrating the announcement of a, of a process, whether it's sending a letter or holding up a hearing or something like that on, on Fox News and this endless kind of feedback loop of, of member asks a tough question, we celebrate, applaud, and move on to the next thing. We never really hold members in the Congress accountable for not getting their answers or getting the results. And that's where I think we need to shift. And I think this is kind of honestly the base's fault. It's not the members' fault because we reward them in the base just for announcing process and saying they're going to investigate things. And then we hold them up as as absolute heroes, and we never sit down and then look back and say, wait, did that person actually get anything done? And, And so that's why I don't think Hunter Biden respects the Congress is because he knows they're not going to do anything about it. And so I say it's time to show him that you're going to do something about it. And, and by that, I mean he needs to be held accountable for breaking the law. The Biden administration, Joe Biden, it was aware that Hunter was going to break the law. He needs to be held accountable. So are they going to sit around and talk about impeaching him, or are they going to do it? And I will say the one major exception to this, this Congress, is the work Homer has done heroically behind the scenes, and really, like, honestly, a lot of this is an outside spotlight of going after the bank records because he's been the one getting the bank receipts out of the Biden family accounts. Uh, and that's one example in recent history of a member really doing what they were going, said they were going to do and showing up with the evidence, because I'm not seeing it really happen anywhere else. Uh, Mike, uh, you are, you're, you're an expert at this. You've been doing investigations. You're an attorney. You've had some wonderfully powerful positions. So you know the answer to this. Because every news report, as I was preparing for you, I knew this already, but it was pretty remarkable that every news report ended in, yes, but there's really no evidence. They would lay out the, the impeachment inquiry, maybe give some information about it, but they say there's no, no evidence to prove that Biden has done anything worthy of impeachment. How, has he? Do we have evidence for that? Has Comer really found evidence? Oh, my goodness, yes. There's there's mountains of evidence out there. I mean, if you look at uh, what Comer's put together and then what's already been in the public record after the disclosure of the laptop uh, a couple years ago, we have everything from the firing of a prosecutor on tape for reasons that are you know clearly stated because you know he was looking into Hunter's company, and so Joe goes over there on tape, threatens to fire 
the prosecutor. That's, you know, more evidence right there in that one clip than anything they ever accused Donald Trump of times a thousand. And then you have a the existence of 20 shell companies with tens of millions of dollars laundered through them uh, for the benefit of the Biden family, uh, money coming from some of the most corrupt regions of the world. And so whether it's the communist Chinese or the Romanians or the Ukrainians, uh, the Biden administration and their defenders on the left haven't provided one excuse or proper or explanation of, hey, here's one thing the Biden family sold to earn them tens of millions of dollars. No, it's clearly a corruption scheme, a, a laundering scheme. Uh, you don't have tens of twenties of shell companies for twenty million dollars set up to benefit, you know, the president's family. That's anybody with two brain cells that can knock together understands what they're looking at when they see that many shell companies. And then you have uh, how they've treated the prosecutions into Hunter Biden, the massive political interference uh, thereof, and then how they basically wanted to charge him with a misdemeanor tax charge to get the president out of hot water, and how they've basically obstructed and refused to turn over documents to Congress this whole time. So I would say, I mean, those are just a few examples. I could, I could keep going. We could talk about the you know, hundreds of times Hunter was on uh, the vice president's jet into areas <laughs> where he had business dealings. We could talk about Hunter's business partners showing up uh, at dinners with the vice president. We could talk about the Hunter texting one of his business partners, you better pay up, and he's sitting right there next to the vice president in a text message. I mean, like, <laughs> these are just off the top of my head. This yeah. is the most evidence that there's ever been. And this is only one fact. We're only talking about the Biden family business. When you talk about the impeachment of Joe Biden, other elements are going to come in. The opening of the border, the weaponization of government, uh, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, so I just want to, yes, and of course, you don't have to convince me, but, you know, we have to tell people because they they hear these news reports, and when they comp- continue to repeat that line, there's no evidence, that's what sticks with them. So I think, and, you know, there's 10% for the big guy, too. We know that Biden directly got money. It's not just his son. It's not just his son. They have found checks. Uh, they've traced records, and so Biden is directly involved in this corruption, especially the public thing he said about laughing about withholding American aid if uh, if the Ukrainians didn't hire uh, fire the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden and Burisma. So, uh, so that's enough of that because, yes, 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 there's enough information to impeach President Biden. Um, now, let's move to the border. Mike, it's just getting worse. I mean, it's unbelievable. I heard someone say yesterday we think that 9 million, 9 million people Illegal immigrants from China, from uh, terrorist zones, male age, uh, fighting age male uh, immigrants, illegal immigrants coming across that border. Not all of them, not the nine million, but a lot of them, Chinese nationals. And so you had floated uh, a year ago, you were really impassioned about impeaching Mayorkas. What are your thoughts about that now? Yeah, they should have done it a year ago. They should have stopped funding this monstrosity. I mean, we're losing a country in real time. Uh, a year's more damage has occurred. I mean, if you look over the past, you know, since Biden took office, we're talking about, you know, a, a problem that will not be solved without a very ugly and unfortunate mass deportation campaign in the next administration. I I think that's an absolutely necessary thing, uh, but it's going to really be a, a major deal and a point of political friction and, uh, uh, upsetting to many in this country. We're going to have to arrest, detain, and remove millions and millions of people. And 
going to be a rough period in American history, but it's absolutely necessary because we've lost the country. We, we really have. We've opened the border on purpose uh, because the left doesn't like who's in the country right now. They want to replace them with new uh, generations and demographics of voters. They don't care if it, if it means consequence. When you talk to a liberal and say, you know, however many million fighting-age males from China, they, they don't care. To them, it's not an obvious problem that you have this you know, evil empire with the CCP over there. Um, with, you know, their soldiers already in the United States. I mean, we know for a fact that the Chinese have intelligence and law enforcement apparatus already existing in this country. If we went to war with them, we'd have to spend the first few weeks just trying to figure out who's here and clearing them out. And that's not just for the CCP. That's across the board. That's every terrorist organization in the book. Um, but that's the left views America as fundamentally different. They, the things I just said, even if they admitted that those were true, they would not nearly bother or bother them nearly as much because they don't view this country in patriotic terms like like we do. And so the time to, to stop the flow is yesterday. We keep funding this nonsense. And in fact, the CR they passed towards the end of last year funded the border crisis more. And so Congress really, this is like the one existential issue. This is the one thing that is going to be dramatically yeah. difficult to to solve in the next administration. Uh, and so we have to stop the flow of people. And so next funding deadline or whatever. Unless we get the number of illegal crossers to zero, I don't see how you support uh, the government going forward to, to have any money to continue any other operations. Well, that's where grassroots needs to come in. And, I, uh, you know, Mike Lee is issuing a, a kind of a clarion call. What should Congress not defund until Biden turns this around? Because the numbers, in fact, there's a huge, there's a lar- the largest caravan ever uh, coming the, our way right now. It's just massive. So it has to stop, no question about that. Uh, there's a, a lot of other things to talk about, Mike, but one last thing, because it's really close to my heart, and that's the whole January 6th uh, situation. It's just uh, uh, repulsive would not be too strong of a word uh, to how I feel about the lack of action to intervene and help these mostly men, all men now, that are, in, in, I just talked to Jacob Lane on Christmas Day, who's spending, this is his, near his, Third year, he has, will be in the D.C. gulag. He's been in other prisons, too, or jails, whatever you want to call them, for almost three years, Mike. And it's just one person. It's just one person. So what is the what is the what what are the Republicans prepared to do about that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, I don't think you can expect anything there. And I feel really bad for people who put their hope in congressional Republicans for doing something on January 6th. Uh, the best advice I would give those people is to stop doing that at this point. Their their salvation is in you know assistance through the in the legal process uh, through some brave you know lawyers and, and others who can fund these efforts. Uh, states potentially, but don't look to Capitol Hill for answers because they're they're not coming. Uh, the elected representatives flirted with this topic going into campaign season about how they were going to you know do something to make sure that the rule of law is applied evenly in this country, particularly as it relates to extreme abuse for the January 6th defendants. Uh, obviously, that never happens. Uh, it's not going to happen. Members believe to be this topic to be a political loser and just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to fight about it. So the first step to solving a problem is admitting you have a problem, and I think that means admitting that the elected leadership on both sides of the aisle is not coming to, to save these people. Well, of course, it's no news to my audience that we have been betrayed by our leadership. And it's not just Joe Biden. Uh, And it's really a sad thing. Do you have any optimism for 2024 regarding the Congress? Any optimism at all? 
Uh, I do. I mean, there's some clear-cut votes that are going to come up, you know, whether to fund this government or not, whether to secure the border or not, whether to actually hold people accountable or not. What I'm confident in is they're going to be able to very clearly tell if this is a successful Congress or not, because the report card already has the issues laid out on them. It's not checking pass or fail. And and so I'm confident that, you know, Speaker Johnson, as a conservative, knows that's how conservatives will measure this Congress. And so I'm looking forward to to him, you know, steering the ship in the right direction on it. I, I think that the chart's been laid out for him, that the steps that need to be taken, and uh, it's going to take leadership to get there. But, um, you know, that's the whole theory behind Speaker Johnson and why we, we put a conservative in there, right, to do conservative things. So we'll, we'll yeah. see if it works pretty soon yes. here. Yeah, we will. And so, uh, Mike, listen, I, I appreciate it. It's great to have you join us for the first first show of uh, 2024. It's really Mike Howell. He's been our guest many, many times. He is a treasure trove of information, and he's somebody that I, that I trust on these issues. And so Mike is the director, again, of the Heritage Oversight Project. And, Mike, uh, Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you so much. Happy New Year. Great. Same, same to you, Mike. Thank you. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. We've been talking about preborn since the time we started on this show. They've been our sponsor, our very first sponsor. I've been so honored to have them as a sponsor. And so many of you have been just incredibly generous, and that's why so many women have decided to not terminate the lives of their babies once they see them on ultrasound. So I have a challenge for you because I know some of you are more financially stable or maybe more prosperous than others of you. If you're one of those prosperous persons, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a bigger way? And that would be a tax-deductible donation of $5,000. That will support Preborn's entire network for 24 hours helping to rescue, on average, 200 babies. To donate, all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and let them know that you would you would love to do that. Uh, also, of course, if that's more than you can afford, then give what you can. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Is Joe Biden really about to get impeached? Sort of. Not really. Impeachment of a U.S. president is a real journey. For nearly a year now, a Republican-led investigative committee has been digging into this, holding hearings, airing suspicions, following leads. Uh, The checks don't make themselves up that are written to this family. And what more to come out that you're hiding is so evident. That escalates into the launch of a formal impeachment inquiry, which is where we are today. The breaking news on Capitol Hill tonight. U.S. Congress has voted to commence an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Every single Republican in the House of Representatives, 221 people. Examining whether Joe Biden improperly benefited from his family's business dealings. That step is important because it moves the House closer to an actual vote to impeach. We saw that with Donald Trump twice. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. And with Bill Clinton before that. Just hours after his impeachment, a defiant president vows to carry on the business of the country. But the most pivotal step an impeachment inquiry heads for is a Senate trial. 
where members would vote on whether to convict and actually remove Joe Biden from office. This, by the way, has never happened in American history before. So today we're at, call it, stage two. House Republicans have voted to formally authorize an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden, an official search for evidence of wrongdoing. It sends up uh, a signal that, oh, there must, where there's smoke, there must be fire. Where there's an investigation, there must be wrongdoing. So that was a report, at least a part of a report by Canadian Broadcasting Company, CBC. I thought it was excellent and kind of gave us a run through and gave us an idea, gave us an idea of uh, what's happened in the past, just reminding us. And that's a, an impeachment inquiry is not the same as bringing impeachment. So this is the step before that. Uh, that was a really fascinating discussion with Mike Howell. I've asked Bruce to join me, my husband Bruce, former FBI agent, former prosecutor at Cook County in Chicago. Uh, honey, just your thoughts, because there were so much. We talked about so many things. Cole, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what your thoughts are. Well, the thing that uh, really jumps out at me is how much evidence has been uh, uncovered already by James Comer and his committee and the uh, other side of it where the media just continues to say there has been no evidence found <laughs> no. that Joe Biden had any direct uh, involvement in Hunter Biden's shakedown operation. And if when you start to list out the number of things that have been found as far as bank deposits, a testimony by former business partners, um, references to Joe Biden as the big guy. Um, actual tra- email, actual yeah, email. Transactions where uh, money is paid to a member of the Biden family and then miraculously exactly 10% of that amount shows up in checks or in deposits to Joe Biden. <laughs> and yet the media continues to say there is no direct evidence linking Joe. And if you look at the evolution of the media spin on the involvement or non-involvement in their in their opinion of Joe Biden, it's amazing. It started out with you you remember that Joe Biden denied ever even talking to his son but uh, Hunter or anyone else about Hunter's business dealings. Then it became well, he's he's aware of them, but he has no connection to them. Then it became, well, um, the president encourages his son because he's trying to rehabilitate him uh, to, to become involved in these business. And, and it just keeps going on and on. And every time... The bar keeps moving. Yeah, the bar keeps <laughs> moving. And now we're at, well, yeah, I mean, there is a, a, a paper trail to the president, but it doesn't mean anything because there, what they are going to require is that the checks say, this check is made out to President Joe Biden on behalf of his son, who was benefited uh, by the president standing as the president or the vice president, and it is paid to him by the Chinese government as a kickback. I mean, that that's pretty much what the standard is right now. Well, uh, you know, it reminds me, I always have these references because I can't help it. I mean, uh, Adolf Hitler had a propaganda ministry known as, uh, his name was Joseph Goebbels, and I'll never forget one famous thing he said is that you, if you tell a lie often enough, people will believe it. And so it's not an accident that every news report ends with, but there's no evidence. There's no evidence this is true. There's no evidence this is true. If I had the ability to make one of those montages, you could see that they're all on talking point. They're all on the mark. 
uh, to make sure that no matter what they report about the details of the, what's being found, if they say often enough, but there's no evidence, you'll even though they just told you evidence, you'll believe there is no evidence. That's the way it works. You know, if you just use logic, President Biden's team, every time one of these committees seeks any kind of record, the Biden administration ignores them. They don't even respond to the letter. Can you imagine the Congress is supposed to have oversight Mm -hmm. over things and they just ignore it? Now, if if everything is so pristine and clean and, and, uh, you know, they're all so innocent, why is nothing ever responded to? And, um, you know, I, I know our system is based on presumption of innocence, um, but we have gone way beyond there's no evidence at all in this case, and we need to p- apply pressure to our representatives to stay after this because, as as Mike was saying, you know, we applaud when there's a hearing uh, and the Republicans uh, really grill someone or we, we applaud when they send a letter to the administration seeking documents, but we never hold our people accountable or hold their feet to the fire like okay you sent the request now what have you done to enforce the request like you subpoenaed hunter biden but he thumbed his nose in your face what are you going to do about it hunter biden made a complete jackass of the of the of the congress by standing out in front of it and saying i'm here i'm ready to answer questions meanwhile he couldn't but get out of there but not on your terms yeah and he couldn't get out of there fast enough after yeah. he said that yeah so they are being uh, completely disrespected and that's you know that Bruce, when I, that actually probably began a long time ago but the first real crisis of that to me was over covid nancy pelosi forcing the conservatives to go through metal detectors uh, just making their lives miserable stripping them of their power where they couldn't even meet because uh, because of her rules and restrictions. So uh, they've been whittling away against the power of Congress because they represent the people. Even if they're not representing us well, some of them do, and they're there playing a constitutional role in representing the people. So they have to be destroyed like every other institution that we have in this country, and that's what's in progress. But this is 2024. We have no idea what God has in mind. It's a pivotal year, no question about it. Uh, and so um, we need to, I think, put on our good citizenship, good, um, in the terms of our Christian faith, we have to stand firm in this fight. You know, put on all those pieces of armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation, the feet shod uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you just think of a soldier standing there. So we have to fight until this thing is over. And it may be over. You know, this year may be the year. Uh, We don't know how close we are to some kind of international conflict. I'm telling you, we're very close. Uh, We don't know if Kim Il-sun is going to, Kim Jong-il is going to launch a missile. Uh, If that's going to start a war, we don't know. China's preparing for war. The Iranians are gearing up with the help of Biden's oil money to them. Uh, Russia is pretty angry because we certainly poked that bear we are on the verge of conflict. Uh, we're on the, the verge of crisis. So this could be the year. So I'm just telling all of you, prepare your hearts uh, with every, in every way you can. Prepare yourself with the Word of God and uh, just set your mind 
on finishing well. Set your mind on finishing well. Uh, honey, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's it's good to start another year, it, and uh, it will be an interesting year. Yeah. And um, as we say, as, as Scripture, you are here at this time for a particular reason. You have been called to this time, and it is time to stand firm, despite all the setbacks. And, you know, the two of us sit here, and we are depressed <laughs> so many days, but yet you wake up in the morning and just say, you know what, today's a new day, and we have to fight. And that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's going to equip us for this battle. So just get ready, because here we go in 2024. Before we say goodbye, I want to thank our sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. You can go to preborn.com slash Sandy to make your most generous donation to Preborn to help babies stay alive. And you can go to chministries.org slash Sandy to help you figure out a really good, solid, and life-giving way to take care of your medical bills. Go to chministries.org slash Sandy. Well, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, You can call us at 662-821-2040. You can write us at Sandy at AFR.net can find us on any podcast platform. You can go to AFR.net, our mothership. Uh, you can go to Sandy Rios 24-7 on Facebook. I mean, there's so many places. You can go to SandyRios.com. We've tried to make it easy for you. We love hearing from you. And so uh, I look forward to doing a show where we just listen to you and read your comments and comment on them. That's one thing I'd like to do right away in this new year. So 662-821-2040. Uh, is the uh, phone number to call to leave a message. And Sandy at AFR.net is the address to write that old-fashioned thing called an email. Well, all right, so thank you for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.